Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Hello, my beautiful listeners. My guest today is the incredible Lara Vandenberg, the CEO and founder of Publicist, the company redefining the way brands hire communication and marketing talent. Publicist is the online marketplace to source premium pre-vetted marketing and communication experts on demand. Prior to Publicist and over the course of her career, Lara has led communications and marketing from high growth tech to consumer startups to large enterprises. Lara was named to Forbes 30 under 30 list and the BNT 30 under 30 list for innovation and advertising. Lara and I chat about her journey leading up to starting Publicist and what it takes to truly set yourself apart as an entrepreneur. I took so many notes after our recording because she brought so much wisdom in this short episode that I know will serve so many of you. You can find Lara on Instagram at Lara Vandenberg. Now, let's get over to my conversation with Lara. How are you? How are you doing? So good. I'm so excited to have you on. So for everyone listening, can you walk us back to, I guess, just before you started your company, just give us a little background info of where you grew up and just how you got started. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So I am Australian originally. I've been in the US for eight years and still, you know, really holding on to my accent, but grew up in Sydney and, and went to school there um, and was always fascinated by the communications and marketing industry. My dad had a comms shop in Australia and he's very much this like persona of a fixer. And so from a really young age, I just really understood how the industry worked and operated, particularly around public relations and what to do and what not to do and, you know, the importance of relationships. And so I kind of had this really expedited, you know, almost degree by the time I was like 15 Um, And so it was always going to be comms and marketing for me, but I just had no idea kind of where I would land. And so went to college, which we call university in Australia, and studied a combined degree. I did a Bachelor of International Business and Media and Communications, which was amazing because I ended up using both of them. But I worked the whole time through college. And so it's a little bit different than the US than people go off to college, you're at college for four years. In Australia, most people work kind of on the side. And so got my grounding and kind of grew up in agency world, which was just, you know, the most fun and had the best kind of foundational understanding of comms and marketing. 
but every time I was taking annual leave or, you know, was taking a vacation, I kept on going to New York to kind of figure out how easy the move, it's not an easy move, flying halfway across the world, like not really knowing anyone, but I just had this kind of gravitational pull towards New York from a really, really young age. And so I graduated school quite young and moved over to New York at 21. Wow. It was so initially, so there was this visa program that you could go after school, you could get a one-year visa, kind of like no questions asked. Um, And so I took that visa and just hustled my way through, you know, every interview kind of networked with anyone that would have a conversation with me. And I ended up working for Westfield World Trade Center ahead of their opening down in the financial district. So that was kind of my foray into into New York, and that was in 2013. Wow, that's really amazing. So your dad was in the same industry. So from a young age, you're watching it, thinking, you know, seeing kind of like the ins and outs. Yeah. You know, the one thing that really stood out to me was the importance of relationships. And I think in communications particularly, you know, you're only as strong as your network in most instances. And just really seeing his demeanour and his the loyalty he had with a lot of people. It was, you know, I think it's a hard skill. I think the best practitioners have an understanding of that. And so, yeah, it was amazing. And, you know, he, he still works and he's, um, you know, his office um, is his mobile phone. He's never had a computer or, and he's the total operator. I love it. Okay. So you're working in New York at this point. How do you go from working at this nine to five to deciding, okay, I'm going to start my own company? So there are a few kind of, you know, a few jobs in between then and and what I'm doing now. So after Westfield, I decided that I wanted to join a startup. You know, it's New York and the startup scene in what 2014 was like, you know, just starting to really thrive. And so did what a lot of people do. And I almost, you know, conducted like a speed dating with startups because I feel like when you're joining a startup it's a crazy thing you're almost interviewing the startup as much as they're interviewing you it's like do I really want to take this risk and so I ended up joining a startup called Archetypes which was a direct consumer beauty company founded by a woman called Christina Colino and Christina is the most phenomenal woman she's a beauty veteran and she founded Philosophy which was later sold to Cody Um, you know, huge acquisition there. And so this was her company after philosophy. And I joined Christina as her kind of all things comms marketing director in 2014 for a couple of years. And it was a a wild ride, um, kind of my first foray in startup world, but, you know, incredible experience. And from there, I decided I wanted to join another startup, but completely challenged myself. And, um, you know, I kind of had my hand at direct-to-consumer beauty and so wanted a challenge and, and jumped straight into tech. And so I did a similar thing where I joined as kind of the first non-technical hire at a company called Notch. And so was the eighth employee there, you know, uh, was brought on as the VP of comms and marketing and built up that team. And it was amazing. I was there for uh, nearly four years and kind of give context to, to answer your initial question of how did I go from Westfield to what I'm doing now I had this consistent pain point that I dealt no matter where I was, whether it was agency or big budgets at Westfield or direct-to-consumer or B2B SaaS, 
that access to talent and really quality communications and marketing talent is hard. And I think the way in which our industry has changed from even, you know, growing up around my dad or at the beginning of my career, the way that we engage with agencies has changed dramatically. And I think, you know, the diversity of marketing and communication services that exist today that didn't exist 10 years ago from, you know, whether it's the emphasis on growth marketing or TikTok creative or investor relations, it just, you can't necessarily box those into these, you know, out-of-the-box retainers. And so I had this big problem of not only access to talent, but managing talent. And so I dipped my toe in the water and started my company, Publicist. It's such a great idea. And I, I love when people disrupt industries that have been around forever, which I really feel like Publicist does. It's this really brilliant way of finding talent and then democratizing it so that people can actually find the same quality you would have if you had the huge budgets for payroll, but you know, yeah. people want to just work for themselves, which is also this huge growing trend, which you and I have talked about. I love, love, love the idea behind publicists. And so just so people understand, how was the first year of growing publicists? What did that look like for you starting your first business? Yeah, so while I was at Notch, I was really close with the founder. She's an incredible woman. Her name's Anda Ganska. And um, kind of to that point that I was saying, when you're crazy enough to join somebody else's mission so early on, there is this level of trust and candor that you need to have and you just need, you need to be so aligned. And so it was 2019 and I said to Andre, I said, I am going to quit and start this business to which she said, that's great, completely support you, but I think you should take a step back. You should read this book. You should build what's called an MVP, which is a minimal viable product you should bootstrap it. And then if it works and if there's traction, then, you know, Godspeed, go for, quit your job, which was honestly the best piece of advice I have ever received in my life. And she was so graceful in saying, you know, you can keep your job, work on this at night, but, you know, this is what I think you should do. And so that's exactly what I did. And so I, you know, I'm the founder of a tech company, but I'm a non-technical founder. And so there are a lot of things that I had to learn as I went. You know, how I started was I was recommended a developer agency out of Europe. You know, I knew exactly what I wanted. I was the project manager. I spent my own money to get a product live. And we had this product in live beta for, it was nearly a year. And so essentially what this product was, the company that we've built is publicist is we're a double-sided labor marketplace. So we enable brands and agencies to not only source premium communications, marketing, creative talent, but through our platform, you can you know, source the talent, you can speak with them, you can hire them, there's contracts involved, you can pay them. So we're really trying to make it as easy as possible for solopreneurs, for freelancers, for agencies, for brands to streamline the way that they work with their contractors. And so that's what we've built. And so that was kind of the first year. That was 1.0. I learned so much in that first year about how people were using it, what they were using it for. I mean, there were so many use cases that you don't even think that people are going to use the platform. And it's like, oh, you know, this is our moat or this is, you know, what's super useful. And so with all of that, we completely rebuilt the platform 
Um, we raised some money at the beginning of 2020, so right in the middle of the pandemic, and we launched properly to market in May of last year. So we're coming up to being one year old. Yes. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. So you're, you're not even a full year. I feel like you're like, you've been around so much longer. I feel like we're, you know, like I've lived 10 lives. Yeah. <laughs> okay so one can you share what book it was because I'm so curious yes the book that Anda recommended is called the lean startup and so it really teaches you how to get something from not a product but an idea to a product and you know what are the things that actually matter and what are the drivers and what metrics you should you should look for so really recommend the lean startup it's by Eric Ray's I love that she had that conversation with you because I think that is very good advice. And I've interviewed a lot of people by now, right? And something that I started to find as has been a trend is one, a lot of successful founders have worked at startups before and they've been able to kind of observe. And two, a lot of people have mentioned a mentor that kind of gave them that freedom to move on and I think that's hard to find right of having someone you work for not have that feeling of like no you have to work for me and you know yeah. wanting to see you grow but also wanting to have you do it right so I love to hear that it's cool it, it's incredible and do you know what it's I think it's not until you have started a company or you know you're in a really intense job where you understand who your advocates are and so, you know, Anda, even today, if I have an issue, um, and not just Anda, but, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to have almost like a personal board of directors where you can call these people and they will respond to you immediately and help you and, and guide you. And so I've been really, really lucky in that capacity. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell us what it's like to run your company remotely, because you are really proving that this is possible. You moved very far away very different we when I say we the team in like beginning of March last year was two people it was my CTO Michael and myself and at this point we were um working out of Soho House and kind of you know after we raised money we hired some people but it was just the two of us so we never had an office and then the world turned on its head and we hired a lot of people most of whom I haven't even met yet which is a really interesting process to hire and onboard and create this, you know, amazing culture remotely. But yeah, so right now I'm in Puerto Rico. The team is mostly on the East Coast, but it's been really incredible to be able to interview people. You know, actually, that's a lie. We just hired someone out of Dublin um, in Ireland. And she's amazing. And, you know, ordinarily that may not have happened. And so I think we're doing a good job, you know, we're, we're thinking about a few scenarios in terms of return to work. But honestly, I think for the most part, we'll stay distributed. There are some modern strategies that I'm hearing companies are, are doing. And one of those is someone said to me from September, do you want to have four companies in the office at the one time and everyone has a week a month? And I'm like, so niche, but kind of sounds great. So I think we will stay distributed for the most part. Um, but I think it just opens up access to talent really from you know that you may not have hired otherwise um so it's exciting that's so true and do you guys have like weekly calls or some way to stay connected yeah so our structure is on monday mornings we've got our kind of big team meeting and then we'll do a stand-up on wednesdays and fridays and then each team so kind of like 
for example, like the marketing team or the tech team will do individual stand-ups on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we're trying to keep, you know, it very frequent um, and it's working for us at the moment, but, it, it, you know, it may change. But at the moment, you know, that kind of like three and then two times a week is, is our structure. Yeah. So you haven't even been a full year in business <laughs> <laughs> and got 30 under 30, which is such an amazing accomplishment. How do you feel like you've become this strong of a founder within such a short period of time? What do you think is that thing that sets you apart that other people can kind of model? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And it's crazy that we launched during a pandemic, but I think that resilience is the number one thing. It is so tough and the roller coaster is real and there is many bad days that there are good but I think it's just understanding that there is no other alternative. There's a quote that says, companies don't fail, people do, or people give up. And so it's a really heavy thing to come to terms with. But, you know, we've got, we're a team of six now and we're growing and it's exciting. And, you know, I'm really excited to hire some really smart people around us and increasing, you know, bandwidth and capacity that way. But we're so lucky, um, the team that we've assembled. And so I would say that resilience is, is the number one thing. Yeah, so important. I know for me starting the first year, I felt like such a bad founder. I was like, all I want to do is hide in bed and like not see anyone. Why? You want my email to just stop working. <laughs> and I mean, even this podcast, like you've got so many ventures going, but I think kind of going back to the team, the quicker as a founder, you understand what you're not good at and being able to fill in the gaps with people that are smarter than you, that have superpowers in filling, you know, in filling those areas that you don't have the strength. I think the quicker that you do that, the better it is for, for everyone. And I think, you know, you can't do it all. And right now I'm wearing the hats of legal and HR and ops and finance and, you know, and I can't wait to be able to fill in those gaps because they're not my strong suit, like marketing is. And so, yeah, I, I would say that resilience and then figuring out your superpowers and then what you're, more importantly, what you're not good at and then being able to fill in the gaps. Yes, yes, so important. So as far as growth and, and where you are now versus where you want to be, like how do you see that process for you? Do you feel like that's going to be something that happens slowly over time or do you have these like huge goals that you're like, we have to hit next quarter? Yeah, so a, a little bit of both. We've got super aggressive goals um, kind of year over year for the next few years, but we're launching new products and we're launching two products this year, actually. And so, you know, they're my big milestones. And, you know, our, our mission here is how do you democratize access to marketing talent? And so we're very much staying in the marketing vertical, but really excited to, to launch different ways that people can interact with, you know, premium marketing talent. So, yeah, I mean, our goals are, are super aggressive on, on most fronts, whether it's hiring or month of month or new clients or new talent. And, you know, we're a double-sided business that we've got supply. So on the platform now we have, I think the last count was about 3,500 vetted experts and then obviously have brands and agencies using. So we're trying to, you know, grow two markets at the same time. So it's crazy. There's, there's so much going on, but, but yeah, they're, they're aggressive. I think it's definitely a slow build. It has to be, especially if you want to like 
ensure like quality control on the supply side or but um but yeah slow but also aggressive so a lot of the talent that is on your platform i know a lot of them are making six figures is that correct it is yeah That's amazing in the, in the first year it's so exciting yes I'm, I'm very proud that we've enabled people to kind of be a solopreneur and, and take the leap from full-time or perhaps even during COVID they were laid off and they found themselves out of work for the first time and all of a sudden they're not going to go back to full-time work because they understand that you know they can work for themselves and be their own brand so yes to answer your question people are making six figures on the platform so exciting and I feel like that's such a pain point and a fear of going freelance or moving out of the nine-to-five is will I be able to make money and you're saying actually you can probably make more money than you are making at your nine-to-five and your life have freedom are they coming to you and saying oh my gosh thank you so much like do you have direct contact with any of this it's funny a few a few of the talent on the platform like we now have each other's text message and you know they were sending me like happy new year messages and merry christmas like it's a it's a really beautiful community that we have and people are very grateful and what we're really focused on as well on the platform is how do you build out workflow tools for the agencies for the contractors for the freelancers um that they can just really focus on doing the work because that is one of the things that we see a lot of the people that have transitioned from full-time to being you know this solopreneur or a small business of two or three they then need to focus on new business and the accounting piece. And so we're really trying to set up a back office for the talent. So, you know, their invoicing is done. And one of the pain points that we heard from a lot of people early on was, you know, I often need to chase up my invoices 60 to 90 days after the work's even completed. And on publicist, you can, you know, you're pretty much paid immediately um, either at the beginning of the project or monthly. And so being able to provide tools like that is, it makes their work easier. You know, they can focus on what they're good at in terms of actually doing the work rather than needing to figure out how they're going to pitch on this new piece of work or, um, so yeah. Yeah. So when you raised your first round of capital, Can we talk a little bit about what that process looked like? Because something I always hear is, oh, you need the right people. You need to hire the right people. You need your team. And then something I hear a lot is, well, how am I supposed to pay for this talent, right? Like, how am I supposed to hire the right people? Which generally goes into fundraising and and raising money. So what advice would you give going through this process of the things that are really important to prepare for, like just things that stood out for you? So I think it depends uh, what category you're in to begin with. So the industry that I'm in, B2B tech, is very different to raising money in something like consumer or beauty where it's more around concept and partnerships. The MVP that we built in 2019 was probably the best thing that we could have done to show early investors traction and really prove that there is a necessity for a business like this. The tips that I would give, I mean, and it's hard. And to tell you the truth, I was back in Australia for a couple of months at the beginning of the pandemic and I was pitching through the night, you know, when people had no idea of what was going to happen. My key piece of advice is you need to be so organized and almost approach it like you are running a P&L. I think you need advocates. It's, you know, access to venture is, is really hard and, you know, the numbers are 
uh, devastating for women. I think last year it was 2.2%. And that's something that I feel really, um, you know, strongly and very unhappy about. But I would say that being organized. And so what I mean by this is, you know, I at all times have this spreadsheet and on the left, it is what is the fund? Who is the person? Are they the right person? You know, do you have a connection to be introduced to because it's really hard going in cold and I think you know we raised our pre-seed last year and it was you know we had three funds come in but lots and lots of angels and I think having the proof of you know angels and in our instance got amazing investors and so some of these people are CMOs and CEOs of agencies and massive companies like LinkedIn and and Glossier and a few different companies and so I would say either figure out how much you need to raise because some people like they raise more than they need to, the valuations aren't great. But also, if you are too early to raise, there are some amazing accelerators and incubators that are absolutely worth looking at. But yeah, I would say being organized is crucial um, because it's hard and it takes longer than you think it's going to take. But I think there there are a lot of resources now to understand. You know, what are the terms? What sh- what vehicle should I raise through? But it's complex, you know. I, I'm not going to lie; I, it wasn't it wasn't easy. Some people love doing it, but you know, I was I was happy to put it to bed so I could get back and focus, you know, 100% on the work. Yeah, and were these on Zoom generally? These meetings, all Zoom. Pandemic. Wow. Yeah. So, what's really funny? There were some investors in like February before the pandemic really, you know, came into full swing, and they were like, "I'm so sorry, I only meet in person." And like looking back to an email like that a year on is just like the world is in a completely different place but yes so similar to you know me not having met some of the people that I work with now I haven't met a lot of my investors in person which is crazy as well right just proving though that we are really in such a different world where we can expand past in-person meetings which is huge exactly and and that it works and it works really well um But yeah, so all over, we raised completely over Zoom. Okay, so as a founder, how do you take time to just do you? (laughs) I know that it's a loaded question because it's really hard to turn off as a founder, but do you have boundaries around this of like, I don't work on weekends or after a certain time? How do you protect your energy? So... It's something that I've really focused on doing this year. And I think when I, I mean, I've worked at two high growth startups before Publicist and I thought that boundary was almost like the word boundary. I almost thought it was the antithesis of like being able to succeed. And I was my own worst enemy. I would respond to text messages at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night or 6 a.m. on a Sunday. And my phone was just always on and there. And I was allowing myself to be available. And so what I do when I've, really had to kind of, I've got a habit tracker. I I had to make a really overt effort here. Um, My number one thing is I don't sleep with my phone in the bedroom. I have an alarm clock. Um, It is as far, it's like, it's at the end, my phone is at the entrance of the house. I am nowhere near it. And I think my sleep is uninterrupted. I try and get seven and a half hours a night. And I found that you almost sleep completely the way through. If your phone isn't there, it's like not buzzing, it's not lighting up. And so anyone that is still sleeping with their phone next to their head, I encourage you to try not to. That's probably number one. Um, And then in terms of my time in the mornings, I again try not to look at my phone because it is such an energy sucker. 
I have a journal, so my daily journal. But yeah, I've got a great little morning routine that kind of consists of I need to move my body. So whether that is going for a walk or working out, you know, on my habit tracker, it is move your body, have your lemon and hot water first thing in the morning, um, meditate and then journal. So that's my little morning routine and it's pretty sacred, sacred to me. I love that. What's your habit tracker? case anyone oh, this oh you like made one? <laughs> oh my gosh it's like everything on the left um and then um in my journal it's you know things that you're grateful for and what would make today a, a great day so I try and do that um you know pretty consistently yes I love that I'm going to try this starting as soon as I'm not in a hotel room yes I'm so guilty of having my phone next to me at night you should definitely try it. And with regard to the habit tracker, I mean, at the moment, I've got a physical paper one. But what I used to do, and it works as well, is just having a Google sheet and being able to kind of do it by columns. And then what's great about that is you can actually see the days that you haven't done it. So you're making yourself more accountable. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it should fit in with you. I love this. So I love talking about people who we look to as far as like expanders or people in your life who you see and you're like, oh, wow, that's really inspiring. How do I become more X, Y, and Z? Do you have people in your life who you look up to as far as like in your career and your personal life? Who really inspires you? Yeah, oh, that's such a great question. Someone told me this early in my career and they said, you are a product of the five closest people around you. And so when you kind of like look back at yourself over the years and it's like, oh, I didn't 100% love that version of me. It's like maybe there were one or two and it could be a coworker or it could be, you know, a past relationship or a friend that's just, you know, a bit of an energy drainer. Um, and so I think it's really important to have five incredible people around you. As I said, it could be a relationship, it could be friends, it could be a parent, it could be a coworker, but I really believe in that, that you are a product. And so in terms of my um, community, I have a few different things that I love to kind of keep me accountable. So I've got these incredible communities in various different parts of my life. And one that I can talk to is last year, um, every Friday at 4 p.m. for an hour and a half, I met with 30 marketers and we had this Zoom relationship and I haven't met any of them. And these people were all across America. I mean, some in the UK, some in Italy. And we had a mentor in the group who um, he's a fantastic uh, CMO of a great company. And he really just taught us how to figure out the narrative of yourself and keep yourself accountable. Um, and so those humans, and I mean, I met with four of them yesterday over Zoom, but that accountability of being able to show up um, to someone each week that is completely completely unremoved from your life. I mean, I've never met these people and they're some of my now closest friends wow. uh, is, is phenomenal. And I think in terms of, you know, other mentors and advisors, I mean, some of our investors, I, you know, am on text message with every day um, and they're fantastic. Um, but yeah, I've got a huge support network and I'm so lucky to have so many mentors um, and so many female mentors, um, which is really, really important. I love that. That's such an easy um, advice to take too, is just getting in certain groups where you can be around like-minded people and you can find these anywhere. And, and what's really interesting as well is if you would have said to me like an hour and a half every week, and I'm like, that's a long time, but truth be told, everyone has an hour and a half a week. It's just, you need to figure out and prioritize 
what's important to you. And this hour and a half gave me so much energy that you can absolutely, you know, refigure whatever else it is you're doing. If you're watching TV, you're going on that walk. So I think prioritizing what really gives you energy is key. Yes, I love that. Laura, you are amazing. <laughs> so inspiring. I want to I want to talk to you for an hour and a half every week. Um, I would love we should. Let's do it. Thank you so much for coming on. I just have one more question, which I ask everyone. And that is what would be your number one piece of advice for someone who is just thinking about starting or just starting their business for the first time? Yeah. Oh, I love this question. I'm such a big believer in reverse mentorship. So it going both ways. So being a mentee uh, and being a mentor. And I think that having and creating, I referred to it before, having a personal board of directors that you can lean on these people when you need certain things. And so, for example, with me, one might be, you know, raising money or another might be more around mindfulness and having that person. But I think creating a board of directors, then when you need feedback or, or advice or guidance, having those people is just key to, to your success. And I think being a founder is a really, really lonely thing. And not only is it lonely, you often don't have anyone above you to provide that accountability. And so with board of directors that are checking in on you and you can go to, for me, that's been really amazing to kind of have that unspoken accountability. That is such incredible advice that needs to be like repeated over and over and over again. Yeah, everyone needs board of directors. Thank you so, so much. I'm so happy that you came on. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And we should definitely find that hour and a half. I would love to do it. <laughs> yeah. And before you go, what, where can everyone find you? Yeah. So on Instagram or Twitter or email, I'm uh, my surname, Vandenberg at publicist.co. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.